I'm excited to introduce to you a friend of mine. He doesn't know me, but uh, we're going to have some good times in heaven talking together. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. Let's join him in his neighborhood. 600 BC, Babylon. It means the gate of God. On the Euphrates River, probably 56 miles or so south of Baghdad. The largest enclosed city of the world at that time. The walls were 80 feet tall and 160 feet thick at the base. The walls go 10 miles encircling the city. A chariot with four horses. A cross is able to, to ride along the top of that wall. It's famous for the Hanging Gardens, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. A series of elevated terraces as high as 70 feet above the Euphrates River, filled with gardens watered by a counterweight aqua system. Babylon had a sophisticated legal system, a specialized cuneiform writing, mathematics, astronomy, botany, zoology, medical care that included surgery and pharmacology. The walled city held as many as 50,000 residents. And the ruler of all this was the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Herodotus wrote that during Neb's reign, Babylon surpassed in splendor any city of the known world. But our king was having some bad dreams. Let me pray. Father, this man really lived. He really was the king of this extraordinary nation. And you had your plans set for him. As powerful and as mighty as he is, things are going to change. Thank you for putting this into your Bible, that we can read it as truth and we can know that what we're reading has great principles for us. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. God's man inside Babylon was a guy named Belteshazzar. You and I know him as Daniel. He's the one whom God tells the meaning of this dream. Daniel was the, the, the man who had the unenviable task of telling King Nebuchadnezzar some really bad news. He explains the dream with trembling. Let's pick it up in Daniel chapter 4, verses 24 through 30. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people, and you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its root means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, please, be, please accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. 
In verse 28, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty, Are you tracking the pronouns we just used? I, my, my. Twelve months has passed from the time he heard this warning up, up on his rooftop. He made these declarations. I, I wonder how that year went for him. Did he even consider Daniel's warnings? Well, he's about to. Put on your seatbelts. Here we go. Verse 31. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times you will pass, will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. But God does not leave him there with his dreadlocks and his long fingernails. Verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Now watch what happens. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Wow. Let's step back. And let's see a couple of the big ideas that are addressed in this brief section. I think we can see there's a, a severe warning against pride in verse 30. I'll read it again. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as my royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? I wonder how you are doing with pride. Here are a couple questions that might help to answer that. What's What's one thing about you that you really want everyone to know? Is there 
anywhere in, in your sphere of influence who, whom you arrogantly pity because you know that you're better than he is or she is. Uh, what's, what's at the core of your identity? What you think you are or who God thinks you are? Nebuchadnezzar believed that what he made defined him, that his identity was in his power. Pride. Watch out, Christian. God will not let, not let you go there for very long. He loves you too much. And for Neb, opposing his pride is the absolute control of the manager of the universe. I think after the warning of, against pride, I think a second theme that we can talk about is God's sovereignty. It's, it's, this whole section is riddled with it. Who is in charge here? Don't you and I, we just love to be in control, but do I honestly believe that I can accomplish anything apart from him? Folks, God is in control, and he wants us to be dependent on him. He is sovereign, and that makes all the difference. Up on that roof, Neb never understood this truth from Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. You want another example of this from your Bible? Listen to what God says in Isaiah 45.13 about the pagan king Cyrus of Persia. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. So this story about our Babylonian king teaches us to be careful around pride. And also, the powerful sovereignty of our God is raised up, motivating us to worship. But there's one more lesson to be seen, and you're going to love this. Give yourself to what is important. Give yourself to what is important. To God, the recorded history of Nebuchadnezzar is over upon his salvation. It's true. The rest of his accomplishments aren't even worth mentioning. You remember verse 37? It said, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. These are some of the greatest worship verses in the Old Testament. From a new convert, he's restored to power and influence by God. Think of what his kingdom might become with this, this righteous leadership, the, the changes he can make. Well, let, let's hear about some of them. Let, let's, let's read the record of the, of the godly King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The, the very next verse, we'll read it. After this extraordinary worship, you ready? Here it is. Chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Wait, nothing more is said about King Nebuchadnezzar after he worships God. All that he did, it didn't matter. Accomplishment is secondary to relationship 
with the only one who does matter. It isn't about Neb. It's about God. So what do you do for a living? What's your vocation? Who or what are you giving yourself to? Are you building your own Babylon? Defining your own success and living under the myth that you really are under control? And that you've got it all covered? Or are you walking with the sovereign God who who loves you so very, very much? Trusting him when he says he determines the exact times and place where you will live, Acts 17, 26. And that he's the one who determines your steps, Proverbs 16, 9. He is sovereign in his powerful control. And believer, he's intimate in his love for you. Take a lesson from the breaking and the rebuilding of a king, Nebuchadnezzar. Let me pray. Father, it's just a snapshot. It's just a small postcard. In light of all the various people whom you introduced to us in Scripture, he's probably one of the most powerful men we've met. But he is a puppet in your hands. Thank you for the realness of this story and the things that he went through. Thank you for the lessons we can learn. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.